I'm David Mosscrop. Welcome to Open to Debate, brought to you by Interact. We've been at all of this for a year now. Maybe it feels longer for you, maybe it feels shorter, maybe time has lost all meaning. Whatever the case, on this episode of Open to Debate, we are taking a deep breath and mixing things up as we celebrate our 40th episode and process 12 months of pandemic life. How do we simultaneously celebrate this podcast and process what the last year has meant? Well, mostly we make jokes for about an hour and talk about trains. How else would we proceed? So, without further delay, how are you doing? My guest on this episode of Open to Debate is Brittle Star, Stuart Reynolds, comedian, video maker extraordinaire, and, according to his website, the internet's favorite dad, Unproven. Well, let's start here. Do you want to sit around and joke about ourselves and the pandemic for the better part of an hour? I mean, yeah. Why? What else is there to do? <laughs> okay, okay, good. So we're off to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> because usually we do fairly serious topics on this show right. and they're political, sometimes cultural. And this is a one-year check-in sort of on the state of the pandemic. We did an episode with my, my friend and colleague, Amanda Watson, who's a scholar of care and feminist uh, about a year ago. It was wildly popular. We thought we'd come back and do another one. But this time, just crack jokes the whole time and really let our hair down. And so <laughs> this is what we are here to do. And I'm very excited to have you uh, here with me to do that. So Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's funny. You know, it's uh, someone had said to me, uh, the other day, uh, as I was out at, actually, I think it was actually at the liquor store and I was at the liquor store and, and, uh, the gent behind the counter said, uh, what are you going to do now that Trump's gone? And I said, Oh, thank God for the pandemic. <laughs> well, good news. And everyone's all- face is kind of like went pale and they're like, Oh, uh, and I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, the good news is when this is over, uh, we've got climate change. Oh, there's so much material. There really is. Yeah. You know, I think when, when you're on the Titanic and it's going down, what you, you can, there's a lot of things to focus on. You can focus on the iceberg. You can focus on, you know, the, the, the furniture and the destruction. You can focus on the lives lost. You can focus on that one guy who falls and just snaps his leg on one of the railings. It's all, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, here's the first real question. So how, how are you doing with the pandemic right now? How, and, and how's that changed over the course of the last year or so i mean i've been pretty fortunate in that i've been really busy this past sort of 12 month period which is nice uh in that first first couple weeks of the the pandemic really hitting in march last year um like everything kind of just stopped for us like we we lost a whole bunch of business and uh, things just kind of sudden i was like i I had no idea what i was going to be stepping into and then fortunately really fortunately for us and we know how lucky we are it picked back up and and actually ended up getting busier than it's ever been which is lovely but at the same time it's it's you know i appreciate the position that we're in compared to others um and you know as far as like like mental health wise goes i think that i mean i i'm I like sort of, you know, cocooning and I like, uh, you know, staying home and all that kind of stuff, but it is getting to the point now where I'm, and it has been for a little while where I'm like, but I want to have the choice to do that as opposed to, I don't want to like right now, it feels like I can't go anywhere and I can't do anything. And certainly I do a lot of travel normally and haven't done any in the past 12 months. And, uh, you know, I sort of feel like I want to have the choice to be like, no, I'm going to stay home as opposed to. I guess I'm staying home <laughs> again, that type of thing. But I sort of, it goes in ebbs and flows. I mean, I really had, you know, I have a little bit of not massive issues with anxiety, but some anxiety issues and uh, that have seen me, you know, in a bad way before that I've kind of, I'm more attuned into sort of what happens and why they come and all the triggers and stuff. And I can see that sort of ebb, ebb and flowing, you know, at least once or twice a month, I'll sort of go through, I'll wake up and be like, yeah, I don't feel great today and i can really kind of just tie it all back to like it's because you know what we're going through is is pretty heavy it's pretty like these are pretty dark days i mean people have to really cut themselves some slack imagine if bartleby the scrivener wasn't i'd prefer not to but i cannot yeah it feels like that you know we've lost the (laughs) there's no preference there's just you cannot yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i i'm I, i mean i talk with this 
on on the show all the time. In fact, it, I believe it is the source of if you go to Apple, the reviews on this, the reviews of the show are pretty good. Thank you all. But one guy is like one star. He's like, he's a narcissist. He talks about himself the, the whole time. I was like, you've listened to podcasts before, right, man? This is like basically what these anyway. Oh, but that I, dude is he's that dude. You're stuck. You will get no further stars by having me on. I am shameless because shame don't pay. So suck it up. Reviewer. That's what, that's what I, he's going to have a bad time. He's looking for a podcast where people aren't talking about themselves, but he's going to, he's one of those guys that keeps coming back. Probably just keeps listening over and over again. Ah, this makes me, so angry i gotta listen i can't wait for next week's so it's like reviews reviews are one of the ways we get seen so i guess so thanks i guess yeah. I, I say whatever you want i don't care yeah, exactly. but i i'm a high risk because of a lung thing so right i say i'm stuck inside i'm like really stuck inside no right. joke i have seen nobody since this started but i mean i have i what do you I, mean I've, I've seen I, i've been to a couple of doctor's appointments yeah because i have health anxiety Okay. What the hell is that? And then it's all about like, do I want to risk the Rona or do I want to risk sitting with this health anxiety? Right. Like a whole battle. Sure. And so I've seen, I've been, I had a couple of doctor's appointments. I've been to the dentist as people yeah. should do, by the way. Yeah. If, if you can. And, uh, and then the only time I've had a run in with a person was outside of my building. I ran into a friend once and we talked for 10 minutes and that's right. it. Right. Wow. Yep. That's wild. I mean, I live in a small town. I live in Stratford and, uh, you know, we have like uh, my major interaction has come from delivery people, people mm-hmm. delivering food, beer, uh, groceries, uh, in that order or <laughs> no, no, sometimes it's just beer. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Amazon guy, we're very close and, uh, and the local shops and stuff who are delivering stuff. It's like, I, those are the people I was talking to actually, somebody who owns a shop here, in town and uh they're saying the hilarious thing about the curbside and the delivery is that every pickup takes about 15 minutes <laughs> because people are just desperate to talk you know oh, do you remember the the film i won't i won't do it the disservice of calling it a movie but do you remember the film uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles i do it was slightly after my time but yeah i do i do so i grew up adoring that movie and one of the scenes that stuck with me is when they're delivering Domino's is delivering a pizza to the mm-hmm. turtles and they he slides it through a slot in the sewer grate and they sort of mm-hmm. like slide up a 20 that's <laughs> how my deliveries work so I don't even see the delivery uh, folks anymore they just know how to get in they right. leave it at my door they yeah. knock I say thank yeah. you tip well and then move about my day so I don't even see delivery people wow yeah I mean, they're not all great. Some of the delivery people I don't need to see, but I don't most want of them to, are awesome. Here's, most of them are awesome. And I've got to, you know, I feel like a real solidarity because I, I recognize the the problem with that system and the precarity, but I also can't go out. So I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I can tip well, I can advocate and that's sort of it. But I, yeah. I'm a little bit worried when it's all over. I'm going to go outside and look around and be like, oh, what the hell is that? And then it's just <laughs> going to be another person. I know, I know. Well, you know, what's funny is that uh, back in September, uh, we were filming a project that wasn't our project, but uh, that that I was in. And uh, there was all the COVID protocols in place, but it was in like Toronto with a bunch of people around in general. And uh, it was nerve wracking for me. I was absolutely like, mentally exhausted at the end of that day. Um, it was like a 12 hour day. So it's a long day in general, but it was like, at the end of it, I was like, I'm like, my nerves were shattered and it was just because you're constantly on your guard. Now you're sort of, you're calculating constantly how close someone is. Is someone coughing? How do I feel? Do I feel okay? Oh, no, it's good. Don't touch that. Make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you sanitize. There's like a million things that are going through your head that just aren't, they haven't been there before. So it takes a bit of getting used to, like it's, there's, I didn't find any refuge in going out and doing that work back in September. It wasn't like I went back out and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's so great to be back in the company of the masses. Mm-hmm. I was going back out there much more in my traditional manner of like, the great unwashed. That's how I felt when I was this is This is how my anxiety gets me. People are like, well, why don't you just go for a walk with me? And right. I always say, look, I like you. But if I, which is almost always true, I like, I got, I've got like six people I really like, who I think of as friends and I sort of just like too much. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of. I've, I've tried to grow recently, but, but everyone else, I'm just like, okay, you're fine. I like you. I like you fine. 
So yeah, I generally sure. like people, but I only like really like a handful. But so I would go for walks with these people, except for it makes me more anxious than if I just stayed inside. Because then I spent yeah, a couple of days worrying it. like, oh, did I get Ronad? And now yeah. I'm worried about getting sick and I'm worried sure. about getting other people sick. So it's just not enjoyable. And people sort of say to me, well, don't worry about it. I was like, I feel like you don't know how anxiety works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just exactly. There's not a lot of rational. Tell me not to worry. Yeah. Oh, that's all that years ago. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's sort of, really it's sort of the like the Teflon there. version of emotion, basically. It's sort of like, you know, logic just will not stick to it. Right. Exactly. I get it. You know, the one time I didn't actually feel nervous was when I went to the dentist and it's so counterintuitive. Which is weird. It's so weird, but you walk in, and there's vapor barrier everywhere and they're wearing right. face shields and they're wearing masks. Yeah. And it's sort of like, this is the safest place to be right now <laughs> in the way that I remember, yeah. I remember reading once someone saying like, your bathroom is cleaner than your kitchen. Right. And I, I remember thinking, that doesn't make any sense. And I sort yeah, of explained I it. Clean so your I, kitchen. Yeah, exactly. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't cook, so it doesn't matter to me. But I, I, I just felt in the dentist really comfortable because they, because they are really taking it seriously. Yeah. And that made me feel a little bit better, but it is, it was counterintuitive. I think there's like, there's a little bit of, and I'm not diminishing the legitimacy of, you know, procedure and protocol. I think that's incredibly important, but there is an, an aspect of theater to it that is like so important psychologically for people. Um, you know, right I was down a, surfaces. Oh, like I just need to know that you're doing something and I need you to, I need you to, I need people to show me that this is, you know, we're taking it seriously. And, uh, I remember the first time I went to the grocery store after mass had become like a really, you know, everyone was wearing masks. Um, and I felt like this a bit of pride. I was like, oh, this is like total social solidarity. People are like really, you know, like everyone's like pitching in. They're like realizing, well, it might not necessarily be for my protection, but I'm help. I'm making sure I'm not going to be the the jerk that, you know, passes it on to somebody else. And that sort of it made me kind of well up a little bit, which was really nice. But I think there's, you know, like we there's a I can say that doesn't matter. Uh, I was a member of a gym here in town, and they closed obviously with the the first lockdown, and then they got to open back up, and they made absolutely no mention of anything they were doing to uh, protect me as a customer, as a patron, as a member and, uh, or anybody, meaning like, I felt like, oh, I don't, I can't, I don't feel comfortable being around other people there for my own sake. I don't feel comfortable watching other people there. And it's not like it was like a hard body gym. It was like a bunch of softies and oldies like me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned and I'm worried about those people too. And, uh, there was just no, effort taken whatsoever and i was like man it's just it's it's there's just a theater aspect to it where you just kind of like you know what to do you say i'm going to wipe things down you get someone to wipe stuff down you wear masks you do like all the stuff that you've been told to do and none of it's that hard uh and just make it happen you know and then people will be like oh yeah i'm happy coming back and i feel a bit more comfortable coming back but if you don't do that you know you're out you're out i can't i can't do it it's not like gyms are the most sanitary place to begin with Oh, they're covered in snot, and yeah, for sure. Nobody wipes down the equipment, and when they do, well, I just, do. Yeah, I, I do all, too. Yeah, I do, but I <laughs> I do notice others who don't. And I actually, the first time I ever went to that gym, I'd finished on the uh, elliptical machine and uh, walked away to get a wipe, and a woman grabbed my arm and said, "You've got to wipe it down." I was like, "I'm getting a wipe right now," uh, and we never spoke again after that. That's, I, you know, it's funny that makes me that is the most anxiety inducing part of the gym experience that that seven feet between the machine mm-hmm. and the the spray bottle and the white when you're like someone is going to descend on me and yeah. do what that woman just did and it's going to become a whole thing yeah but I, I she was trying to judge me but i judged her so hard afterwards so yeah it's like, like when you're going to park and you got to walk to the parking thing and you get a ticket between you know <clears> that yeah. happens and you're like well I feel like there's a flaw in this system. There is. Yeah. There's like a time space continuum type thing that, that needs to be addressed. I think. Speaking of time space continuums, your videos are very popular and funny. Thank you. If I might be so obsequious, but they're also, <laughs> I watch them. They're on the internet. We'll mention the Twitter. We'll mention the, the website. You can go see them and they're good. And you know, they're, but they're also an effective vehicle for sharing good information. I think about the U S election videos, the right. pandemic. So I want to talk about your work a little bit now. What's your goal when you're making these things? I mean, I guess one, be funny. But are you thinking about here's a way I can communicate some information 
in this joke? Yeah, I think so. I think certainly in the past, you know, in in regards to what was happening in the U.S., because I have a sizable U.S. audience, <clears throat> and I think also in regards to the pandemic as well, um, there's like an obligation or it f- sort of feels like I had a bit of a, a reckoning, like how do I fit into this? How do I... Uh, how do I play a role? How, how, you know, like my niece, her part-time job was at a a grocery store. And so it's like, okay, she's a hero, you Mm -hmm. know, for going in. How can I be a hero too? And not that I'm saying I'm a hero, um, but that idea of like, what can I do? And it's like, well, I have this platform and I can use that platform for good. And so, I, I mean, I try to, you know, my my rule is it's always entertain first, sell second. And that's sort of the rule that I came up with for uh, branded content. But it comes, it's for anything. It's for like, you know, you entertain someone first, you give them a good time, and then you can pretty much put any message in with that afterwards and people will consume that message as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit, I try to strike that balance between, you know, like the old original Oprah who would have people who were like, you know, like little people fighting and then getting married. And then you would have uh, then, then Oprah's like book club, sort of like her lofty uh, self currently her sort of pious self for, mm-hmm. and her sort of earthly deity self now. So I'm trying to walk in that line in between. I'm trying to be too Oprah's is what I'm trying to be at the moment. So, I mean, I mean, I hope it, I hope it does good things. I, I always try to sort of make sure that the viewer realizes that I'm on their side and we, you and me and they, me and the viewer are on the same team. And we might, we might be talking about a third person who's watching all, as well, but me and the viewer, we're on the same time on the same, same team and the same side. And, the goal is to always sort of hold something stupid up and go, look how stupid this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, the offshoot of that is hopefully maybe some of the people who are on the fence are like, yeah, that is stupid, actually. He's right. I don't want to be that stupid. I want to be doing the right thing. But it's effective. I mean, it works. I hope so. I mean, you know, I did a, I did a, a, a song and a video called Just Wear a Blank Mask, an effing mask. And... Uh, and it's done in sort of a rock ballad style. It was inspired by watching Elton John do his, what was it, Grammys or American Music Awards or something where he's in his backyard. Um, was rocking out on his piano. And I was like, yeah, I want to do something like that. And uh, so I made this, let's, you know, just wear an effing mask. And, uh, you know, the the goal of that is to kind of like put it in people's faces and and to also kind of make a bit of a jingle out it's jingle out of it so people will kind of whistle it and go what am i whistling oh that's right it's that and that might trigger them to remember to wear their mask or bring it in the car or whatever they're doing that type of thing and i think that's sort of feels like it's actually been really great this the great sort of this is a weird way to say it this the best of the worst situation this past 12 months for me has been knowing that or being reaffirmed that the the stuff I'm creating serves a purpose for people, mm-hmm. which has always been a huge motivator for me right from 2013. Um, just hearing people who say, you know, your videos got me through a dark time or me and my dad used to watch your videos when he was doing dialysis and, uh, and then getting to this point now where it's like, okay, now I can actually do some good and make people laugh. Like I, I can entertain them and I can also spread some good information, which I think is vitally important right now. Yeah, and I think sometimes, I mean, Twitter, social media more generally is often an utter wasteland, but there are these oases that are communities and really just funny and fun, and they, they make this all more manageable, like you're saying. And I mean, your videos are, are one, and I that's part of the reason I enjoy them. Uh, you know, Avalon Penrose, did you see her videos? The She did one about the Super Bowl and one about explaining the stock market. She's sitting uh, in a car, this woman who's sitting in a car. Yes, 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 yes. And and, and that got a tremendous uh, response from people. And I remember watching them just thinking like, there are hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people who are uni- united around this thing right totally. now. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> right? well, one of my, I was asked what, my, what, you know, I don't really do New Year's resolutions, Um but I was asked what my new year's resolution would be for this year. And it was to amplify good and just to sort of like really focus on doing that. And I think that's the big thing is that I, you know, I maintain that the loudest people in any room are the stupidest. 
that's usually a pretty guarantee, a good guarantee that if the loudest people in the, if there's a super loud person in the room, they're probably the dumbest. Um, and possibly one, a politician. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that applies to social media as well. I think that idea of like, it's, you can get some really stupid things that get really loud as, you know, if you're going to use that, uh, that if we can use that analogy. Um, and I think by the same token, you can also make silly, fun things that can get super loud and maybe even louder than the stupid stuff mm-hmm. or the bad stuff. And that's kind of the goal. I think that's why, I mean, Twitter has been my big platform this past year, even though there's, I have more people who follow me on Facebook, but, uh, you know, it's, it, I think that people sort of are eager to share good stuff and amplify the good stuff and they need to be rewarded for that too. Like they need to be encouraged and, and, you know, it's nice, nice comments are nice, that type of thing. It, they, they are. And, you know, it's funny when I was thinking of this episode, I was thinking back to William F. Buckley and firing line as one does as, as a well-adjusted 30 <laughs> something professional who's locked in his house for a year does. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of William F. Buckley and he had Groucho Marx on for an episode and the, mm-hmm. the episode title was something like, is the world funny? And it wasn't a very funny episode, but he, <laughs> but he kept calling him Mr. Marx the whole time. So there's like Groucho Marx in here. And William Buckley, well, Mr. Marx, uh, loquacious as you may be. And I was just thinking like, uh, you know, even William F. Buckley tried, you know, yeah. Yeah. we can be serious, but like, because I am uh, a columnist and a podcast host and an author and I have a PhD in political science. I spent the last couple of weeks just laughing my ass off at the word stonk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This is okay. Yeah, totally. This totally. is okay. That's part of the human experience, right? I think is that you need to, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, I don't even think it's an accurate quote, but it's like, you know, if we, if we don't protect the, uh, you know, the, the museums and arts and the culture, then what's the point basically. Um, and yeah. it, that notion of, you know, life is about, you know, ma- making other people happy and making yourself happy and enjoying. I mean, it's, I often sort of think of like, it's like you're sitting in like the worst via rail train station waiting area ever and that's life and how can you make this slightly more tolerable for everybody because everyone's getting on the same train eventually and we're all just waiting so what are we going to do while we're waiting and uh, that's not to say that necessarily the train's going to go anywhere great it might go nowhere um and you're gonna have to eat a really shitty bag along the way exactly Bagel? Do I say bagel funny? I, I think you said bagel, which was, I mean, it's an bagel. affliction that a lot of people suffer from that affliction. I, you know, that, that community, do you, ever, do you watch community, that episode of community I do, where yeah. Brutus says it? I, I get that in my head and then I feel like I, I say the word wrong and I'm going to get bagel. dragged for it. Bagel. bagel. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We'll fix it in post. But yeah, exactly. you know, but it's funny by, by the worst via train station, of course, you mean all of them, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know what's really sad is that the uh, train station here in Stratford was was once the head of the Grand Trunk Railway, and uh, it's a love it's a lovely building. And Thomas Edison worked here when he was seventeen, which is cool. Um, and uh, it's just got a lot of history. We were going to rent an office in there at one point, actually, and it was a really great space and uh, and that. But then when they did all the big cuts in '88. Uh, it, it sort of all just fell apart. And then I think like in the past, like 10 years, it became all automated. So there's not even a staff member in the train station. Anymore. It's this beautiful building with like a plaque inside the lobby of like, uh, you know, Thomas Edison worked here from this time to this time doing blah, blah, blah. And uh, this sort of lovely sort of marble and, and plaster work and stuff. And there's, you just, you can't get in unless it's, it's like 15 minutes before the next train comes. And that's the only time the doors unlock automatically. It's the worst experience in the world. And it's one of those things where it's like, damn it, you know, Canada, this is, we got to get our crap together because the train is like the best way to travel across the country it is. in a snowbound, crappy weathered, you know, tundra like we live in. And everyone's just sort of like hoping for a murder on the Orient Express type situation. Totally. I've been on the Orient Express, actually. It was really okay, exciting. big shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who did it? Was it everybody? It wasn't me. That's all I know. <laughs> no, it's never. 
<laughs> when you least expect. I, I, Coburg, the Coburg station is a bit like that too. There's no via service in Peterborough because why right. would there be via service to a town of 85,000 people with a between Toronto and Ottawa with, yeah. the, with the university and a college? Why, why would you put a state? Why would you put a commuter? Why would you put anything there at all? It makes no sense to me. It makes no, but so if I had to take the train, which I preferred, I'd go to Coburg and Coburg has a nice little quaint uh, station. Ditto Port Hope. Right. By the way, there's a there's a station in Port Hope and Coburg, but no station, <laughs> which in are like eight feet away from each other. Yeah, you really yeah. want to make sure you serve both of them, but that Peterborough <laughs> doesn't get served because why would you? And Peterborough's always got them. Peterborough is a bellwether riding; it always goes government, and every MP is bringing back the rail service. Right, and it never happens. Never ever happens. No, I don't get it. I mean, I I think they should. You know, I'm I'm never a fan of privatizing big things but except for the train service i think we need to kind of either cut ties entirely or we should take it over entirely like pick one or the other we can't sort of this dual sort of weird situation we're in now i don't think it's working very well it's not and i we have like a real can't do attitude and yes i remember reading about japan and the construction of their i mean obviously japan is different it is much more dense and so on and so forth but in the aftermath of of the war in the 50s i remember reading about this they were building the high-speed trains and people were like Oh no, you just can't do that. You can't get the grade, right? You can't go through the mountains. There's no way to do a high speed train. And they're just like, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's do I mean, it. Exactly. And they I mean, did. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, it's, a, I think that's one of the, uh, I like to make, oh, I don't, well, no, I, I guess I kind of make fun of Americans a lot. And I certainly have recently, but I, but I have a tremendous number of American friends. And one of the things I really admire about the American, attitude is that you know like not having universal health care there's a real can-do attitude it's kind of like <laughs> right. go no fund me yeah i need god and i need a job uh and they kind of just you know they they really are like they'll just go for it they'll be like yeah go for it let's try this let's see if it works um and i really respect that and i think there's one thing that canada is i think we're slowly coming around to having a bit more self-confidence and a bit more uh you know uh self-awareness of what we can and can't do and and what we might, we maybe should try to do. And I hope we get past that. It's a very Canadian thing to be like, no, it's okay. No. And I just, I can't, I've been, you know, I've been self-employed since I was 19. So it's like, I can't, that whole attitude just doesn't sit with me at all. It just, it's just really, really weird to me. It can, it can be a double-edged sword. I remember living in Korea, uh, South Korea, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sometimes like I taught in Korea, and then people are sort of like reflexive and say, podcast "South or again? North?" <laughs> Dear leader, is that what this is called? Yeah, it's like South or North. Uh, like that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, West, <laughs> West Korea. Uh, the uh, so they have a great they have a great train station. They have a, reg- a great train system. They have the regular trains. They have a couple, and there's like a slow and, and a medium, and then they have the fast train. And it's a great system and it's affordable and so on and so forth. But of course, when they went on strike at one time when I was there and the, and the country just union busted them so hard. Right. And I was like, okay, so we want some, this not is a la carte type situation. <laughs> we want some of it, not all of it. We don't yeah. want a union, but because basically they said, oh, we're going to fire all of you and then just right. call the students up to run the rail network. Yeah. yeah we like, don't want well, that. Well, just yeah. Are you some. sure it wasn't North Korea? Yeah. You know, you get on the train and you just sort of go and you just just go. You never know where you're going to end up. Although it it was, it was infuriating because I lived there in 2008 and you could have your, your bank card would be your transit card and they have private uh, services there and they would prorate and you could tap in and tap out. And I'm just like, that was 2008. And I remember years later, 2008, and they had it before I was there. And I remember when Vancouver tried to do this, I'm like 15 (laughs) years later or something like that, you know, 10 years later, I guess would have been. And they're like, Oh, we can't figure out the gates. (laughs) You you can tap the front of the, you can tap it at the front of the bus, but not the back. So sorry. We just don't know. I think anywhere that's, that can successfully operate an escalator outdoors all year round in Canada should be able to have, should be able to do anything. They shouldn't have any excuses. They should be able to figure everything out. You know we what I mean? Political, didn't we? we got political. A little bit. I'll take you back to the train story that just reminded me of one of my favorite memories uh, riding on the Via Trains. Because we used to, prior to the cuts, it was a big thing. It was going from Stratford to Toronto or Stratford for a concert or going to London, Ontario, because they had an amazing record store. And uh, we were coming back. We were 14. It was about four or five of us. And we're coming back on uh, the train and the uh, the bar cart guy comes along and he says to us, you boys uh, want a beer? <laughs> we kind of looked at each other like, oh my God, like, 
Like, did he just not look at us properly? Can he not see? Because it's evident that we are 14. And so we said, uh, no, we're, we're not of age. Sorry. And he went, no, no, no. It's like international waters. The train's in motion. <laughs> but we still declined because we were chicken. We thought it was a setup. Yeah. But it was, I just thought it was, it was like... It's it was a sting. The via sting probably is what it was. It's like Paul Newman in a mustache. Just exactly. Like, exactly. And uh, but I just love the idea of the trains being like international waters. If it's in motion, the laws of man don't apply. <laughs> I used to go into the, I grew a beard in grade 11. I'd go to the liquor store. You LCB grew a beard in grade 11? Yeah, I started it. Now I've still got it. It's still going. <laughs> Good for but you. I, that's how I got beer. It's almost come in. And they, <laughs> they, they served. I was like, what a system I would sneak into the LCBO and get beer at grade 11. And my, you know, we'd all, you know how it is. Like you send everyone sure. in and whoever yeah. gets it. My friend went Take in one time up. with his health card because he's like, they can't keep your health card, <laughs> but it had his, <laughs> but it had his actual age and he was 17 or something. And so the woman at the beer store looks at it and was like, what are you doing? And he yeah. just looks at her and is like, I thought it was worth a try. <laughs> Well, you know, this is the this is part of the perils of growing up in a small town. Is that it was really, really difficult to drink underage uh, here in Stratford because, like the uh, there's one there was for a long time it was like one main popular pub downtown, and it it got super busy, like three deep at the bar, easy, and uh, you know, I, countless friends of mine had mastered the the task of getting served underage, but I couldn't because as soon as I walked in, they knew, like they knew my mom and dad. My mom and dad go to that pub and they're like, "Hey, Stewie, how you doing? Your mom and dad just left." And I was like, "Bart." Oh yeah, I'm just here looking for them. Um, yeah, he's like, oh good, I'll go home and get them. That's great. Thanks. Uh, speaking of bars, I'm just, I've decided to commit to just doing non sequiturs as we move. It's good. I like it. I uh, uh, have. Ha- have you had to do care work during all of this? I, I'm always conscious when we're talking this thing uh, of folks who have to do care work, who have kids, who have what you know, who have different home situations. Because I often sort of talk about being stuck in, but then I think there's nothing worse than being like a single parent. Oh, I can't this, imagine. Right? I, yeah, I don't no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't imagine. I've been very fortunate in that. Uh, my wife hasn't left me <laughs> yet. Uh, but I mean, also the fact that, uh, you know, our kids are 19 and 21. So, I mean, there's so a couple hours a day, does it? They're self-catering. <laughs> are they at home? Yes, they both are because, and actually our, our youngest, it's his first year at university, but it's all online. So mm-hmm. he just, instead of going to residence this year, he just stayed home. And then our oldest has uh, his place in Toronto. But uh, just prior to the... Uh, uh, like about a month before Christmas time, uh, ended up coming back here and sort of quarantine for a bit and then just like, just stayed here. Cause it was like, I can't go out anywhere in Toronto anyway. So I'll just stay here and eat better basically. Um, so yeah, no, it's been, I've been really lucky in that, uh, you know, I haven't had to do my parents are here. Um, but that literally requires, uh, returning their empties and buying them beer. That's it. That's all I have to do. <laughs> And occasionally checking in on Google Duo. That's it. What's Google Duo? It's uh, Google is this huge company. And yep. Uh, yep. they do a bunch of things. One of the things they do is Duo, which is kind of like FaceTime, basically. It's like a video uh, okay. chat type thing. Yeah. And they have one of those screens in their living room. So I, and it's really wild because it's like you're watching the worst TV show in the world. It's uh, because the camera will track them, kind of like a like a like a you know oh. multicam sitcom type of thing. So my mom and dad will be sitting. My dad will be on the couch. My mom will be standing up, and the camera, whoever's talking, will actually sort of automatically zoom in on that person and then move back over slowly and pan over to the next person and then do a wide shot. <laughs> oh it's all very God. cinematic, but it's like the writing is terrible though. So. <laughs> Oh, golly. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. <laughs> just let it hang. Let it simmer like Michael Jackson would say. My, just let it simmer. Just let my At the start of the pandemic, my mother moved to Victoria. And I was like, okay, good. She want, you know, she went out there to do her thing. And that's great. And yeah, amazing. I'm just uh, here alone. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, That's awful. Here alone. And yeah. then I started playing video games. I know, but I, I'm like you. you know, I, I really have to say that in a lot of, there are moments when I kind of hit the wall and I wake up and I'm totally, like, what is the point this morning? Yeah. And then I kind of rally 
and get to it. And honestly, the thing that gets me the most is I miss a couple of random weird things like going to the movies. I miss quite a bit. Interesting. Yeah. And having people over, like having cocktail parties like, and board games. But the thing I miss the most, this is after a year of thinking about it, is having people over to have beers and play Mario Kart because yeah. I don't want to brag. Yeah. But I am the Dan Marino of Mario Kart. Wow. I am, except I win championships. That's, that's uh, something for the CV. I'm the, I'm actually the Dan Marino of beer pong. I'm the greatest player to never win a championship. Maybe it's I'm the Dan Marino of beer pong, but I'm the, I don't want to say Tom Brady because I just hate Tom Brady. Well, I know, but still, yeah, I get the, the, I'm the the, Serena Williams of. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's good. Well, that's very impressive. I am not any of those things. We got a uh, uh, an Oculus Oculus Quest Two, Ooh. and uh, I I don't do well with uh, you know like you go on four D rides at like Disney or Universal or something like that. Is that where the fourth can't... dimension is wind or something? <laughs> it's the fourth dimension is pain. Um, and yeah, it's like you know, they they move you around, but you've got like there's like three D goggles you're wearing, and oh, yeah. and you're kind of immersed in the environment and stuff's happening and yeah there's like there's they spray water at you and all that kind of stuff and i don't really do that great in those and i also don't do very well in the oculus quest uh games where i'm moving forward i feel like i immediately get sick like even if it's like slow paced we have one of these star wars ones where uh you have to like you know figure stuff out and then occasionally you get into like a laser battle but you're mostly just walking around picking stuff up it's too much for me it's too i can't i literally made it like three steps and i was like nope can't do this i'm gonna barf all over the living room <laughs> but uh i have however just this morning started using this uh like virtual trainer thing where like they this woman she's like tells you to do certain things based on the information you input and she's meaning like exercise things and uh she uh you know she'll talk you through like the the stuff so you're doing these like things where you're hitting stuff out of the sky but you're doing it in like the rice fields of china or the mm-hmm. surface of mars or something it's sort of really cool and uh she and she's always in your ear like you know watch your shoulder you're doing great fantastic and i'm like thanks i am doing great <laughs> and i really dislike the uh you know the the motivation and the encouragement and um that probably speaks more to my relationship with my wife shannon than anything else but uh but it has been great like that's the only kind of thing i can do that in space pirates in that in oculus is one of my i think i I'm, I'm pretty good at that i actually want to hear more about this Star Wars Death Star maintenance game. Just like walk around and be like, we got a leak in Sector 7. Bill, can you go and tweak the, like, what What do you mean you picked stuff up? I'm very curious. It's literally, there's like a quest or something in it. Oh, and my oldest son is really good at that stuff. He's got a lot of, he's more like his mom and he's got more patience and he can do sort of these types of things. Whereas I am more of, a, my, myself and my youngest son are much more broad stroke. Hey, can I just be the star? Um, and... Uh, and uh, so it's much more like quest based. Like you have to collect these things, and it's, it's very kind of like almost like an escape room aspect to it, where you're in a certain place and you got to get to another place, and you get messages from people saying "Go here." You have to figure out how to get there, I and mean, it's really, really well done, and it is totally immersive. Like you can look all around yourself and and walk in any direction and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, just like literally three steps I took, and I was like, "No, nope, I know I have spent where it was. It wasn't that much. It was like thirty bucks or something." It's like, I've spent $30 in this and I will never use it again. It sounds <laughs> like, it. it just sounds like you're describing my day. <laughs> <laughs> Oculus Rift, your day. Your okay, day. get the dry cleaning, yeah. respond to these emails, go pick up your mail. What's funny is they have a uh, virtual job and virtual vacation games. Mm-hmm. So you're literally at a desk doing stuff. Or if you watch Community, yes. you remember the episode <laughs> yes. where he's like filing things. You know, he's like, I've, I think I'm trying to, I'm going to file this. There's a, there's a virtual desktop as well you can use. So you literally would be like climbing to like put stuff in. It's worlds weird. within worlds. That, Hell, I, yeah. That's a super underrated episode. That whole season is super underrated. I just, the, my favorite thing is what hit, he deletes a file by, by holding it in a fountain and drowning it. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, you know, that the show didn't get the love it deserved in the, in the yeah. final two seasons, which I think are actually very, very cool. Oh, the, oh my God. Yeah. Certainly the final season is amazing, actually. It's so so good. good. And, and, and I think the, you know, I think my favorite episode is the Meow Meow Beans episode, which I highly recommend folks <laughs> go and watch. And I, I'm reading, it's a, for those who don't watch, it's this sort of dystopian rating system where you have a social media app and you rate people and people get stratified based on their rating. I think you should, 
you should put quotes around dystopian because you're just describing current social media. Well, but exactly, right? And so that's what's so smart about it. But then I'm reading this book by uh, Pierce Brown, this series, the Red Rising series. It's so good. But I'm basically like, oh, this is this is that same thing, but also we're living it. Whereas totally. we are stratified based on social media and so on. Yeah. And, so forth. and we're rating each other sort of informally, but literally sometimes like Uber rating. I, I have my, my anxiety stretches to the point where I don't, I can't look at statistics about myself. Interesting. So I don't, I can't look at how many followers I have on Twitter. I can't right. look at Instagram followers. I, I don't want to know what my Uber rating is. I don't want to know any of it because I simultaneously sort of don't care. I don't know how many listens I get. I'm told the podcast does really well. And my book has done really well, but I couldn't right. tell you what the you numbers are. And I don't want right. to know. Comes across like a humble brag though. You know that, right? You sound like, cause I, I'm sort of somewhat similar sometimes. Cause I'll always get asked by like platforms, uh, you know, like, tell us uh, what information are you getting from your insights? And I'm like, you know what, man, I don't really check them out. I don't really look at them that often, but that's more based on my ego. I just assume everybody's watching and listening. That's oh, just, see, mine's the opposite. Right, I'm assuming yeah. that everybody just hates me. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm, I mean, I think I, but it's really funny is that I used to be like that. I really did until I was about like 35. Uh-oh. I was so uh, concerned about, uh, I, I was guaranteed, like, I almost could have, was positive that people hated everything mm-hmm. I was doing and, and I was useless and I was worthless. And it would have the voice, you know, that sort of like sort of self con that sort of voice of your, your subconscious saying to you, yeah, you're probably going to mess this up again. You're going to, you're useless. And I can't remember exactly what, what was the impetus for it, but I mean, it sounds really horrible. And obviously this isn't, this isn't a cure all solution for this, but uh, it was literally like a concerted effort to be like, no, I'm just going to talk myself up. And I, and then eventually I believe my own hype. I was like, oh, I am great. I'm fantastic. I obviously have moments of doubt and all that kind of stuff, but it's funny how, if you just like change that perspective and now I'm like a runaway ego. I'm like, yeah, I just, well, of course I can talk to the people I have talked to that I have no business talking to Yeah, the people, even in the past week that I have, con- I have contacted and said, Hey, what do you think? Can you help me with this? I have no business asking their time whatsoever. It's ludicrous that I would, that some idiot in Stratford who makes videos on Twitter would popular videos. Well, sure. But I mean, like, it's just doesn't add up. It it's, it's, you know, I'm an idiot. It's apparent that I'm a, a middle-aged weirdo who makes videos and that's in a, you know, medium dominated by 20 year olds. But, uh, I, you know, it's it, that ego that carries me through. It's like, well, of course, of course they'll talk to me. Why wouldn't they talk to me? And it's surprising how you can get yourself through sometimes that you'd be like, maybe, maybe I'm right. Maybe it is no surprise. They'll talk to me. Maybe I am. Okay. It remind, people are stupid. It, it reminds me of a guardian article from years ago. You're like everybody's just winging it all the time. And I oh. have to sort of constantly go back to that. And, but my, by my relationship to, cause I'm sort of like moderately popular in the sense that I, you know, in the Canadian media space, it's it's tiny. I'm, right. I think I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. Sure, and which is fine by me because I just my goal is to just keep doing more of this. I mean, yeah. my goal is to sustain, and, and my relationship towards it is so dysfunctional that you know earlier in the pandemic, <laughs> I wrote a piece about mutual aid and solidarity based on some discussions I had with my friend and, and colleague, uh, Dr. Yvonne Sue, and she sort of said, "Okay, here's how these things go." And I talked to a few other folks. Uh, disability advocates and so on and it was basically a critique of oh we all love mutual aid and solidarity but like this is stuff the government should be doing what is wrong with us and i wrote this piece for the the post washington post and it got shared by barack obama on twitter amazing and my first response no joke was like (laughs) well okay so they're not going to fire me for at least six months just so ludicrous isn't it so stupid i was like what is wrong with you man i was like my first response really wasn't like oh hey a a former president shared your work it was first like oh i'm not gonna get fired and second i was sort of criticizing people like him but right but fair enough you know only third it was like oh that's that's kind of cool but it's i mean if i think if you kind of remove yourself from from that uh, situation and and you know become your own friend, your own best friend. You'd be like, oh God, man, you're in the big leagues now. You should be charging a lot more money for whatever you're doing. I actually have to be my own best friend. Well, <laughs> <laughs> current situation aside, I think even you know beyond this current situation, I think you just have to kind of be you know your own kind of cheerleader and kind of step back and go, okay, if this was somebody else, what would I think about it? Okay, all right, that gives me a better perspective on it as opposed to like it's so hard when you're. 
especially in the creative industry where you're, it doesn't matter what you're doing, writing, you know, filming, recording, whatever. It's super hard. And not just that, but I mean, even down to, but to, to give value to what you're doing. Um, but even beyond that, I, mean, I had a conversation with the guy who drywalled our office in our house when he was doing it. And he's, I said, so just like when you're done, just give me your invoice. And he goes, oh, I hate it. We had this conversation about how he hates giving people an invoice mm-hmm. for drywalling. And I'm like, dude, you should have zero problem with this at all. But he basically went into the same types of things that anybody has where it's like, uh, you know, I don't, should I really charge them that much money? Um, and the really difficult sort of, you know, mental process of saying, yes, my time and my skill is worth this much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. It's, I feel it's, that way with the GST. Whenever I was, I was sort of like sheepishly sort of say later, oh, I have to charge you GST. Well, of see, course I, I do. <laughs> exactly. Legally, you have to. You'll be in terrible trouble without, you know, if you didn't. But I signed up to charge the GST, like as soon as it came out. And I, I hadn't made, there's like a $30,000 limit. And there's no way I was making that much money. I was like 23, 22 or something. And uh, uh, there was no way I was making that much money with the business. But I actually wrote and said, no, I want to, I want to charge it. Because it was like a, it was like a status thing. I'm going to have to charge you GST as well. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I don't know if you know this, but I charge GST. I'm kind of a yeah, big deal. You know what that means about me, right? $30,000 a year. <laughs> this is my first year as a full-time freelancer. I, I was an academic up until more or less anyway, up until January. And I've just started full-time freelancing. And uh, the, the GST thing is like a real, it's a real mark. Or I guess HST now. HST, yeah. Depending on yeah. where you are. Uh, I was like, Right. It's a bit of a racket. I mean, I kind of hate it. I mean, I know I don't even kind of hate it. I totally hate it because if you're self-employed, it's hard because that money comes in and you're like, oh yeah, I should totally put that aside or I can get groceries. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a tough call. I'm so paranoid about, um, well, everything that I put aside so much for taxes. Right. And at the end of the year, my accountant's like, "Uh, you've got this much left over. I was like, I didn't even think I made that much. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Anyway, I'm going to reward myself by buying some new pencils. Some driving gloves for Mario Kart. <laughs> Business expense. I, is there, so in, in the last couple of minutes, we've got, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but at some point we're going to run out of tape. But is there anything weird you miss? Is there something you're like, I really miss? Yeah. I mean, the Shakespeare I, I, Festival. I don't want to stereotype. It's so weird how you guys outside of Stratford call it the Shakespeare Festival. What is it actually? It's the Stratford Festival or the Stratford Shakespearean Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And I think it was on, there was an episode of Kim's Convenience last week where the uh, one character was saying, oh yeah, I'm going to uh, Stratford for the weekend uh, to the uh, theater festival. And I was like, theater festival? Get out of here. Get out of here. Big (gasps) Toronto weirdo. Um, Uh, this is, I mean, I think, you know, what I miss, it's not so much I miss the theater. I mean, I miss the, there's a, there's a bustle in town because I mean, the town's only 36,000 people here in Stratford. Um, and then we get about half a million to 600,000 tourists every summer. Uh, so it, I mean, the town explodes and it's super exciting and it becomes a bit of a nuisance because you can't just go out for dinner. You, you know, you have to really plan like you're a tourist. Um, which is great though, because everyone benefits and the town benefits obviously. And it's really awesome and it's also the reason that stratford has got a weird cachet and and a weird group of people who are here uh which is cool and it's such a cool town i I, i'm envious i mean it's it's a place i i'm I'm not cool enough to be in stratford i'm so you know i'm in ottawa oh just a couple of couple of weeks you know because my wife's from ottawa and she's almost cool now she's been here for about 20 some years and she's almost cool so eventually it kicks in you know what i mean i'm not saying guaranteed but probably i can see her in the next couple of years maybe being cool We'll see. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to make it 20 years. Until, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I just turned 37. I'm just like, I feel like I'm not uh, doing the stuff I'm supposed to do once you turn 37. When I was, what was I doing when I was 37? And I was 37. I was, uh, I was, what was I doing? I was, I was getting ready to play my first ever show at the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto is what I was getting ready to play. That is very cool. Yeah, that was kind of like that was very much a if I don't do this now I'll never do it type of thing. So I went on played Lee's Palace. I went played Horseshoe Tavern three times, Lee's Palace once, which is very exciting. Um, 
to like all these places that I'd grown up knowing about as a teenager. I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, but back to the question, I think that, you know, what I, I miss the most is probably just having that carefree attitude, that sort of same type of feeling you get. And most Canadians will be aware of this. Like when you go out, as soon as the weather, the weather goes crappy in Canada, going out becomes a strategic mm-hmm. offensive. Um, you have to think about your shoes. You have to think about your coat, your hat. You know, there's lots of things you have to think about. Um, when you add the pandemic into that, it's like, okay, now I have to think about not just the mask. I've got to wear my mask. I've got a hand sanitizer. I've got to make sure I, you know, I'm just doing curbside and don't get too close to people. And there's like a whole bunch of things that are just swirling in your head. Uh, you know, regulations, protocols, things to keep you safe and keep others safe. And I miss that abandonment. I miss like, you know, I think fondly back to not last summer, obviously, but the summer before spending some time in the UK and just drifting around London and through Camden Market and stuff like that, where it's like, there's just tons of people and I hate being around people, but I didn't care. It was like, whatever, I'm, gonna, I'm wandering through these people and I'm going to get through to something else. And I, I miss that kind of carefree abandonment, that notion that you can just like walk out the door in whatever you're wearing and if it's suitable and you're good to go. That's what I miss and probably going to the pub too. But that's just, I think we probably save money there. So. Well, that's what I miss too. When I was listening, you know, it's funny. I miss the sort of like Sunday stroll yeah, around the market. I'd go to the market. I would buy, you know, go to the butcher, go to the cheese shop, go to right. the store, pick up some baked goods or whatever. And just, I, I forgot how, how much that grounds you. And totally. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. I, I had a friend, well, well, a friend's an overstatement. An acquaintance of mine who is incredibly wealthy, and I say I just say that because this person is odd, um, and incredibly wealthy, and and uh, had built their wealth up entirely by themselves, uh, work in the arts, and they said to me one time, "It's key to get out if you work by yourself at your house. It's key to get out at least once a day, ideally in the morning." go have coffee somewhere, go breakfast somewhere, but get out, see other people, see the world in motion. Then you can go back and you can do a better day's work as opposed to just kind of not seeing people. So there's obviously, you know, value in just even that notion of being around other humans. And even if you don't like them, or there's a general disdain for them, just knowing that they're there and things are in motion, that's, that has a positive impact on you, I think. Yeah. Well now, well now I miss that too. Now I miss it in a whole different, <laughs> deep way. I was I just finished writing a novel, so I, I you know my first book is two years old now, and I, I, wrote, I wrote it was it's it was fun. It was the most enjoyable thing I've ever worked on, actually. But I, I just finished. I'm finishing the edits right now. I'm going to ship it off to my agent. And I was reviewing it, and I was like reading through. It, and I was like, I started writing this, you know, 18 months ago. Right. I, I set it in a drawer for four months, whatever. I'm like, Oh God, the, the dystopian world I wrote is better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> like this thing's going to come out and people are like, Oh, you wrote a utopia novel. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think people, that's one of the weird things about the pandemic. Actually. I think that, uh, you know, you see people doing the anti-mask rallies and you see people doing, you know, the anti-lockdowns and stuff. It's like, nobody wants masks. Nobody wants lockdowns. Um, But most of us kind of have an understanding of the necessity for something. We have to do something Um, and just how viruses work and all that kind of thing. But I think that the big thing that struck me is the number of people who just refuse to believe that something this noteworthy would be happening in their life in their lifetime so meaning they have no problems thinking back to like world war ii and people going oh wow it must have been really something living in england or something in world war ii it'd be amazing you know terrifying and horrible and everyone had to band together to just get by and then they are presented with a you know a similar situation except no one's trying to blow them up or shoot them and uh, they can't get their heads around it they can't get that notion of like oh this is like affecting everybody so we should work together. And they just can't sort of understand that something as is, is grand would be happening in their lifetime. And I think it's just maybe they, we've all had it a bit too easy, thankfully. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the big thing that struck me is that people just don't really realize that, that this is actually happening. And, that, and that's why you get these people sort of like, no, nah, it's not, it's a hoax or no, nah, it's not as bad as they say. And they're just trying to fear us. And 
and my favorite thing of you know oh, the government's just doing this to you know to break us down it's like where do you think they get their <laughs> money <end>? from man <laughs> to what end but also like show me a lifetime where someone didn't have something like this i mean you know world war know. ii was only 70 was 75 years I ago know. world war one the the 1918 pandemic the i mean the, it, we'd never go that long as a world without some massive catastrophe without something yeah exactly it's sort of exactly. sort of what we not not to brag but it's sort of our thing <laughs> like we we constantly create massive catastrophes or or suffer through them yeah that's that is who we are exactly exactly it's part of the the human condition that's a great note to end on <laughs> we've, we've sidled up to time so in the closing couple of moments is there anything you wanted to touch on anything you want to you know at the end of an interview when you're doing interviews mm. as a journalist like well is there anything i missed and the person's just like i want to get back to my lunch <laughs> no you didn't miss anything i've missed seven minutes of my life <laughs> i'm just kidding i actually really like talking to journalists because i i don't get to talk to people but have i have I missed anything? I don't think so. I think we've covered kind of everything. It was a nice sort of easy chat and it was lovely because it was, uh, I think that, I think one of the most important things during this pandemic is that people realize that we're all going through it together. And I think hearing other people share stories makes them go, Oh, okay. It's not just me who feels like that. That's good. You know, it's, it's important. It really is. And I, and I, it is truly a privilege to do this for a job to be able, this will be our 40th, episode so it's a very special 40th episode we've been going just about a year and a half almost two years i guess and this was a very nice way to celebrate uh 40 episodes uh in 37 years of me being alive just recently which is so you started this when you were you were three you're doing one a year is that right yeah one a year i started at Uh three the early ones were a bit rough because i didn't know how to talk but you know what around six or seven really started around the corner your stride yeah exactly and i'm hoping in the next 10 years i'm really gonna wrap my head around pacing timing vocabulary (laughs) i I did a video yesterday where i do voiceovers as well and there are certain couplings of words that i cannot include in a sentence without totally mashing into like some brand new word and yesterday's uh, word was busy signal um and i just could not get that word out at all it was just really difficult it was a busy signal busy signal busy busy signal busy signal it's too hard it's a hard job it is, you know, it's funny. I, I never, I, when we started doing this podcast, I really liked the idea of a sort of, I was just going to talk and I was going to talk the way that I talked, you know, be sort of monotone at times. It would be, I would, right. and I would be recording at the Canada 2020 office and my, uh, you know, Mira, who's the producer who makes all this possible would sort of look at me like, do it again. Like, right. well, what's wrong with that? Just, like, I do the recording the intro. It's like, you are so dry. And so do it again. I was like, I don't want to do it again. I don't. She's like, you have to do better. And then eventually be like, oh, you're getting paid to do this. Maybe you should do it again. Like, yeah. you mean it. And I would do it again. I get over myself and do it again. But I was like, I don't really care what, how I sound. And then right. you're like, yeah, but other people listen to this. <laughs> See, again, my ego kicked in right away. I've been doing voiceovers for like, uh, nine years now, and uh, and my whole goal is to get down to that Laramie smooth voice. Just get down and be nice and easy, and everything goes an extra layer down. You know, that's that's the goal is to get that, and also to uh, to learn how to uh, sound happy when you're talking. Learn how to sound happy when you're talking. So you're supposed to smile as you talk. Yeah, that's is that right. The I'm idea? smiling right now. Yeah, totally. So I could say anything right now and smile and make it sound happy. Fourteen puppies were killed. See? Oh, well, it's it's my pleasure to announce uh, <laughs> COVID-20. Uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Who's ready for another pandemic? Oh. Yeah. I feel like we've really, we've really covered a lot of terrain here today. Uh, a, lot of a lot of healing. We did a lot, lot of trains as well. A lot of train talk. I think we've helped heal a nation. And no one can take that away from us. They can try, right, but they're not going to succeed. Exactly. So well, on, on that note, I, I would like to start by saying thank you to you, uh, Stuart Reynolds slash Brittle Star. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, it was really fun. This was an absolute blast, and I could go all day, but we're about to run out of tape, as I said. I don't know how recording works. 
And so my thank you to you, but also, as always, my thank you to Aaron Reynolds, no relation, and uh, Mira as Ahmad. As far as we know. Who, <laughs> as as we know should, now I'm going to look that up. And to Mira Ahmad, who uh, who makes all of this possible and who is uh, an absolute superstar to everyone who makes this possible. My She's my cousin. Is she? No. No, I just made that part up. I really thought it'd be a really fun twist if I like wasn't related to the guy with the same last name, and then I was related to the next person. That'd be funny, right? Oh, well, now you're going to get your credits. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. We just sort of talk until eventually okay. someone hits stop. I guess it's right. supposed to be me. And of course, thank you. This is unedited, by the way, to all the listeners at home uh, in their cars and the ships at sea. Uh, we appreciate you. We thank you. We hope that you're keeping safe and well, and we will see you back here again in a couple of weeks. 